0: Once upon a time
1: in a land far away,
0: I'm Katrina
1: and I'm Jeff
0: and welcome to the fairy tellers podcast
1: myth, legend, folklore, fable.
0: We explore what they say about cultures then and now
1: grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat while we
0: retell you a thing.
1: Welcome back to the podcast as always great to have you back with us. I'm looking forward to this episode because it is one of those where I never would have found this topic on my own. And also, as Katrina was researching and telling me about, even if I had tried to look up this topic, it would have been very difficult to find information on it because when you try to search for Dodo, all you get is the stupid extinct bird and not the really cool, like mythological cryptid kind of creature that we're going to be talking about today.
0: Yeah, of, it's a very cool topic, and it's it's like, oh, slight departure from what we talked about last time, and I'll get into that, because it's, it's very interesting.
1: But first, some announcements. One announcement is September has a fifth Friday, which means we will be doing a fifth Friday Fable Fest on Instagram Live, as is our kind of new custom that we are absolutely loving. So please come out and tune in to our Instagram Live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on September 30th, so you can join in. Love to see you there. Love the interaction, but it's a fun, different kind of format where we get to interact directly with you, and we love that because then things come up that we, neither one of us, would ever have thought about, and it like leads the conversation in a really interesting way. So please join us, interact in the chat, and we hope to see you there.
0: Yep, it should be awesome. Our patrons have picked out bird stories. As the topic, I'm hoping that they picked out bird stories because that's something that they actually uh, would enjoy and not just because they knew that it's my favorite topic <laughs> of conversation. So that is going to be our topic and our like theme for that episode is Aesop Fable bird stories. Tweet, tweet. Also, a very cool thing, Dr. Jenna Jorgensen, who wrote Folklore 101, which we raved about last year, has <laughs> published another book.
1: My favorite thing about Folklore 101 is that in some bit of, I think just like an Instagram post or online advertising of some kind, she quoted me as saying, <laughs> it's my favorite book about folklore because it's the only book about folklore that I've ever read or something like that. And I was like, yes, that is the type of like promotion that I love about.
0: So it is on, the, on FolkWise the the like mid episode break that they take, they have uh-huh. like a reel of ads for like different things. And so there's an ad for that book. And that is the ad like for it.
1: <laughs> I love that.
0: What is so funny too, is like J- Jeff has said this, I feel like on the podcast before, but also, but, but maybe just like privately, that there are so many things that like leave his mouth that he does not remember. I, <laughs> like, I'm the same way.
1: Immediately after I've said it, people like repeat it back to me. i be like, "Oh man, that's really funny. Where did you come up with that?" They'll be like, "You just <laughs> said that," and also, you think you're really, really funny. Apparently,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you you are your target audience. Yeah. So what was funny was like when I was like watching a Folkwise stream and they were playing their ads. I saw that pop up as. <laughs> Like a quote from you and I was like, oh my gosh, did Jeff write that on like a review online, like on like Goodreads (laughs) or something or like an Amazon (laughs) review? Like when, when was this, when did he say, where did he write this? And it was like, no, they had listened to the episode or like Dr. Jenna Jorgensen had like listened (laughs) to the episode Where we had just, like, mentioned that, like, at the beginning, like, the book and been like, oh, just so people know, like, there's this, like, book out. And you had said that with your mouth. So what's crazy Uh is, like, not only had I obviously been part of the recorded conversation where you had said that (laughs) and I heard you, then you edited the episode, so you must have heard it.
1: At least twice or three times.
0: I quality controlled that episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And still.
0: Approved that.
1: I I remember saying this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I also was like, yep, I approve of everything that was said in that episode. We posted it, like, you know, for the world to hear. And then, you know, he, like, seeing the words you said written back, I'm glad that she understood the spirit in which that review was meant. Yeah.
1: Okay, because here's the thing. I could see how someone could read that and get the wrong idea about it. But that is, like, to me, there's nothing negative about that review at all. No. Especially when I said it when and when I meant it. I've gone back and listened to it, too. And I'm like, I remembered after being reminded. The fact that I went and read a folklore book, period, Yeah. is, like... A compliment to that folklore book being interesting enough for me to want to go and read it in its entirety. Yeah. And then the fact that I like enjoyed it a lot, which I really, really did, and I still strongly recommend to lots of people that you read. If you are a listener to our podcast, you will love Folklore 101 by Dr. Jenna Jorgenton, I suspect. And if you like our podcast and read folklore 101 and like it, you will also like
0: Fairy Tales 101.
1: Which is the whole point of us bringing this whole thing up. She's got a new book.
0: She does. And I was deeply honored to get to read it early and write a little review blurb for the back cover of the book. And now I have a physical copy of the book, which is super exciting. We're not paid or anything to rave about the book, but I'm going to do that really quick anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Because the setup of the book, I think is really unique and like really well thought through for what she was trying to accomplish. She has the very very basics at the beginning of Fairy Tale 101, like where fairy tales got their name, the difference between fairy tale and folklore, different approaches that have been used in the past to look at fairy tales, and then she moves in the book to some short essays on fairy tales. So it's it gets a little bit more technical and thought-provoking and then she moves into academic articles. It it was really fascinating to see her writing really colloquially in the beginning and then moving into a writing style of published articles that were in academic journals. So, not only does that show her range, but it also really helps, I think, the beginners level up in their discourse. In the span of one book. And then she does something that I absolutely love, which is she provides a really great list of basically like what to read next. She has this whole amazing <laughs> recommendations section.
1: You would like that, nerd.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like absolutely. Like where I'm like, oh, what now? I mean, it's really interesting because if while you're reading the book, you're like, Oh, I'm really in- interested in this one specific topic that she's like talking about. Whether it's like erotic fairy tales, if you're like, oh, I want to learn more about erotic fairy tales, or even I want to read Which, erotic I mean, fairy tales.
1: Yeah, that's the one that of all of the types, that's the one that most people are interested in would want to read more of. I'm glad that that was the the example that you pulled out of nowhere when you were thinking of <laughs> something to say.
0: It's like, oh, uh, do you know what I found to be the most useful? <laughs>
1: No, but that is really cool. And, you know, even though I made fun of you for being a nerd, I do actually like that. Because, like, when you read a really good book about something and you want to know more, it's really helpful to have someone be like, hey, here are places that you can learn more. That, you know, because if you liked what Dr. Jenna Jorgensen had to say about it in her book, and she's like, these are the things that I read that I liked, then it's kind of like, you know, you know that the vibe is going to be on the type of level that you are already interested in. That's yeah. my point. It's like a it's a really strong quality recommendation from someone whose opinion you trust, who you like. So it's it's great. I love when people do that.
0: Yes. And in fact, Fairy Tales 101 was the book that recommended Cinderella, a case book by Alan Dundas that I used in the African Cinderella episode last time. Fairy Tales 101 hadn't come out yet when we did that episode, so I didn't want to speak out of turn about the book before it, like, came out. Fair. But already, Fairy Tales 101 has been a useful resource for this podcast. And we're actually going to be, this episode's going to kind of be leaping off of the last episode of, like, African Cinderella Tales. So, obviously, a gift that keeps on giving. So, if you read Folklore 101 and you liked it, You will definitely like reading Fairy Tales 101. If you're a person that you're like, okay, I think I like, I get the basics and I understand you want to read more stuff. Like you're listening to this podcast and you like the conversations about looking deeper into the topics inside of fairy tales, not just like the stories themselves, but like what they're saying. You'll really enjoy this book. So I recommend it.
1: During the course of this conversation, I literally went and bought it on Kindle. So it's sitting waiting for me because I have not actually read this book. And I really do want to. So I will. You'll you'll be hearing my comprehensive review. So keep an ear or two out for that.
0: I'm excited for you to be like, this is my favorite fairy tales book because it's the only fairy tales <laughs> book I've ever read. So today's episode should probably be about The Little Mermaid. <laughs> And the whole renewed upset about Disney casting a black woman to be Ariel. What's funny is that I have put The Little Mermaid on the schedule for next year in May when the movie is coming out. I didn't know that it was coming out next May. But after our Oscar Wilde episode, um, the same person requested a The Little Mermaid episode and then talking about Oscar Wilde's The Fisherman and His Soul. And so I was like, okay, like, The Little Mermaid, scheduled for like next May. That'll be good. Then I found out the movie is going to be coming out next May, which is cool. But then there's been this whole renewed upset. And I say renewed upset because back in 2019, Halle Bailey was cast. There was this big upset. And it was actually one of the catalysts for starting this podcast uh, because I had friends that were asking me if the arguments such as like mermaids are European mythology and so Ariel has to be white were true and other such arguments of that nature. And I ended up writing a blog post retelling of The Little Mermaid because at the time I had a blog where I was just like retelling fairy tales kind of in a very like joking manner using like memes and stuff. And I might provide like a link in the description of this episode so people can go back and read that if they want to. It wasn't a discussion of black mermaids, but I do make my position on the subject pretty apparent, I feel, in that blog post. The episode that we're doing today isn't about this. And so I will sum up my thoughts by saying, mermaids aren't exclusively European. There are mermaid deities in African mythologies These deities were important to the African diaspora groups as well and were included in their tales. We did an episode two years ago. It was episode 26, Mermaids of the African Diaspora, where um, Jeffrey told a Jamaican Anansi story where Anansi ends up at the bottom of the ocean and encounters a mermaid-like creature (laughs) called Sea Mammy. And then... I told an Afro Brazilian story of a farmer who ends up marrying a mother of the water, who ends up bringing in prosperity. But the marriages between creatures like that don't normally work out, and it doesn't in that story. Spoiler alert! <laughs> you know, so we we've we've kind of covered this topic before. So every argument that I've heard for this outrage is easily shot down. If you are outraged by Ariel being a black woman. Please examine those feelings. I want to assume the best in people. And so I'm not even addressing these comments to people who are fine and comfortable with their racism. I know that I still have racist thoughts and opinions that I'm trying to like locate within myself and root out. Fewer and fewer, the more that I examine my own internal world. So I want to assume that at least some of the people who are upset about Ariel being a black woman didn't know that they are harboring some racist feelings. So if you are realizing that that might be you, please examine your feelings, because mermaids most assuredly can be black. And also there's a whole conversation to be had about how stories change for the audiences that they are intended for. And so there is nothing bad about changing a story to fit the new audience of listeners and viewers. Those are my thoughts. Today's episode (laughs) is going to be about something uh, completely different. So this is kind of a partial audience request and partially my own interest. Usually when I'm getting ready for an episode, I'll do some regional side research. So if I'm reading a Cinderella type story from the Hasan people in Nigeria. I might also read some other tales from Nigeria. And while I'm doing that research, I might stumble upon a creature that I didn't know about, and then I get really deep into it. So if you listened to the last episode, you might remember that I had said that there were stories from the region where not only frogs would put people in their mouths; uh, they would transform, but also there were stories where uh, mothers would put their children in their mouths and they would transform. So this was a, a like a motif that was in the area. Mm-hmm. Again, if you haven't listened to the last episode, you might be like, why are we talking about people getting put in other people's mouths? <laughs> but yeah, it was like the, the frog putting a Cinderella in their mouth and they come out like dressed. And I was like, no, 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 this is actually fine. In Cinderella a case book and the essay Cinderella in Africa by William Boscombe, he mentions this, and then he gave a reference to Hassa, Superstitions, and Customs. And if you know anything about me, it's that I love to chase a good
2: reference.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She goes down these reference chain rabbit holes, reading books by other people who recommend books by other people who read books by other people, until finally she reaches the first book ever written.
0: That's the plan. I'm going to trace it back to the original book.
1: The original book, the one book to rule them all.
0: <laughs> and in the darkness, bind them. I skipped a whole bunch of that poem.
1: That's all right, because book binding is a thing, so it works.
0: Perfect. So I found the book. It's from 1911. And I went to the story that William Boscombe was referencing, because he did such a good job referencing. He had the page number and everything. I really appreciate him. The reason why this episode I'm saying it's a partial audience request is because we've gotten a request from Andy on Instagram for some cryptid related tales. Mm. But Andy seemed to want more specifically United States cryptid tales, which is fine. And I will absolutely honor that request later. But I hope that Andy enjoys this episode today as well. So the story that was referenced, it's called The King Who Coveted His Son's Wife.
1: Uh, (laughs) not a fan so far.
0: (laughs) Listen, feelings are hard to control, but we need to learn to regulate our feelings so that we don't turn them into unfortunate actions. I'm going to quickly retell this story because it's not the main point of the episode, I am glad that I get the opportunity to because sometimes in an episode, I will say like, oh, this motif is found in other places, but we don't really have time to do another episode on that or add other stories for me to illustrate that. And so I'm excited in this episode that I get to show you instead of just tell you that like, oh, there are other stories where people get put in people's mouths. (laughs) And it's like, sure, I can say whatever I want, you know, and not have anything to like back that up or whatever. So I'm excited that I get to retell the story. But this story, when I went to it and read it, it took me in a different direction. And so I'm going to go quickly retelling this story because it's not the main story of the episode. (laughs) But there was a sentence in that that then led me to what I needed for this episode. This is all a word salad but I think it'll make sense once I get into it.
1: It's it's coming together piece by piece.
0: Super. So please enjoy the story, and trust me, because the story is both enjoyable and it will get us to our next destination. <laughs> so the story, the king who coveted his son's wife. There was once an ugly woman, and she was so ugly. <laughs> How ugly <laughs> was she? <laughs> <laughs> there was once a woman... That was so ugly that her mother was like, I cannot stand to look at you in my home anymore.
1: Oh, (laughs) God. And
0: she kicked her out of the house. I'll try, I'm like, why am I already laughing so hard?
1: Because it's a ridiculous (laughs) thing to be like, this person is so ugly, I'm kicking them out of my house. Like,
0: yeah. I mean, I guess it happened in like Hans My Hedgehog, but. Yeah. I mean, also normally stories start off where like, especially if it's this, the heroine, it starts off with like, this person was more beautiful and more amazing than anybody in the world. And this story is it's like... It's strange
1: for it to start off with someone super ugly. Yeah. Which, aside from being like, it's okay to be ugly. Yeah. You shouldn't be kicking people out of their houses for yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It's
0: more about what's on the inside of a person that matters. Who is the monster and who is the man? Sing the bells, bells, bells. That's from no- the Hunchback, of Notre, Hunchback Dame. of
1: Notre Dame. Yeah, we gathered as much.
0: <laughs> I realized when I got to the bells part that I was like, oh, this part of the song just kind of goes and goes before it gets to like the bells of Notre Dame. And I was like, Katrina, this is taking too long. The joke is taking too long.
1: <laughs> it was beautiful, though. No, it <laughs> So tell me more about this ugly woman.
0: So there was once this ugly woman and she was so ugly that her mother was like, I can't stand to look at you anymore. Get out of my house. So she kicks this girl out of the house and is basically like, you need to find somebody else that will take you in somebody else to like live with. (laughs) And so this woman goes around, like, looking for work, and she finally finds work at the king's son's palace. I mean, we would call him, like, the prince's palace, but in this story, it kept mm-hmm. saying, like, the king's son's palace. But every time he saw her, he was like, she is too ugly to work here. And after a while, he was like, she, not only is she too ugly to be allowed to work here, but she's too ugly to live in this city. She needs to just leave because I, oh I don't want her here anymore.
1: How ugly would you have to be to get kicked out of the city that you live in?
0: I mean, I feel...
1: Pretty dang ugly because I've seen some ugly people walking around this place and they've been here for years.
0: Are you talking about me?
1: <laughs> so. Kicked out of the city. The,
0: the woman gets kicked out of the city. And in the version that I had, it said that she went home to her mother and then the next thing happened. But there are apparently variations in other books where because she got kicked out of the city, she's now like out in the forest and there meets a mother elephant. So either way you wanna think about it because people are like, why would she go home to her mother who previously kicked her out? And then the next thing happens because the next thing that happens is whether it was the mother or the mother elephant, They put this woman in their mouth and then when they open their mouth back up and they pop out, they are now transformed to be somebody super beautiful, just an extremely beautiful person. And so, yeah, people have pointed out like it doesn't make sense that the mother would kick her daughter out if she had the ability the entire time to just put her in her mouth and then let her come back out like fully formed. It makes more sense that she that there was another magical like helper. So I like, and personally I'm very attached to elephants because I grew up in a country where elephants were very, very important. Not apparently, not African elephants, but I forgive.
1: Those those small eared Asian elephants. Love them.
0: So I like that it was like a mother elephant. Plus it makes sense visually thinking about, you know a big elephant putting this person in their mouth and then like they come out, they're transformed. So anyway, she's beautiful. So she goes back to her work at the palace. And this time the king's son sees her and he's like, Ooh, I like that. <laughs> and so the king's son found her very beautiful. And so they had sex with each other. And then she went to her mother and told her mother what had happened and asked her mother for permission for them to get married. And the mother, of course, is like, Of course, you can marry a prince. So they get married. And in the story, there's not any mention of other wives. But as we talked about in the last episode, it can be assumed that like living in like a polygamist culture that they could mm. have been in a polygamist culture and that he had like many wives, not just her either way. It doesn't really say. So they get married and the King sees her one day and he falls in lust with her. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'm not going to say in love. Cause he just was like, Oh, that's she's hot. Now I want her. <laughs> It's so interesting because it's like in stories where like your appearance as a woman can like mark you as they're like, oh, that woman is worthless because she's not attractive. That woman has like no worth. Mm. But then if they're on the other side, they're too beautiful. It becomes dangerous for them as a woman to be living in a world while being beautiful.
1: Yeah, can't win.
0: Women can't win. (laughs) Tale as old as time. So, The king decides what he's going to do is send his son off to war, which is interesting because this is very similar to a Mm -hmm. story that is inside of the Bible. Also as like stories that are found inside of the Thousand and One Nights. And this story takes place in Africa. So near,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, where it's like, yeah, stories travel. We've said this before. So anyway.
1: It's almost like if you want a convenient (laughs) and easy way to quickly dispose of someone, who is a male that is married to someone that you would like to take as your own, sending them off to war to die is a common practice.
2: Yep.
0: So he's like, I'm going to send my son off to war. So the night before he is going off to war, this woman hides a date stone or seed in his hair, which I'm like, I also find that fascinating just because like, since this story takes place in Africa and I'm like imagining in my mind, you know, like if this little piece of the story happened in a place where somebody's hair was like as straight as like my husband's hair. Uh This story wouldn't work. (laughs) Yeah. So she hides this like date stone or seed in his hair sends him off with this whole army, including the king. The king is also like in this entourage that's like headed out. So they go out to kind of like the nearest well and the whole army kind of stops and the king turns to his son and he's like, oh, we need somebody who can climb down into this well to pull out water for the horses. Would you be able to do that? And his son's like, okay, I guess. So the son is lowered down into the well And he pulls up all, you know, all these, like, buckets of water for the horses of the army to drink. And after he pulls up all the water, he, you know, hollers up to be pulled back up. And this is when the king orders all of the troops to throw buckets of dirt down the well on top of this man. And they, like, bury him alive. I know.
2: Oh, my god! Very
0: upsetting. (laughs) So the king goes home and he tells the woman, like, oh... Your husband died. It's very sad. And she goes into mourning for him. And it says like for 10 days. And it doesn't say like how long the whole next part of this story kind of takes place. But it does show that she mourned for like the appropriate like amount of time for her husband being lost. And it never says that she remarried or anything. But I don't know how long it was for like this next part to happen. So the man's buried alive in this well. But... The date seed that was in his hair starts to grow, and it grows into a tree that goes up out all the way out of the well. So then the man is able to climb back up the tree. Magic. <laughs> so he climbs back up the tree, and he like stays in the tree. And this one day, a woman who works for our like heroine is going past the place where the well was, she's going back to to the city and she passes the old well on her way home with a gourd of milk that she's retrieved. And she sees a man in the date tree that, quote, looked like a dodo. And that's all it says in this story, but we'll go back to it first. Cause like, this was the important sentence that like, surprised me, clued me in. And so we will get back to that. So she sees this man like in this date tree looking like a dodo where he is like, has like very, very hairy, lots of hair. He is covered in like mud and like earth and up in this tree. And he starts calling to her. And at first she doesn't want to go over to him because she thinks that he's this dodo creature. And He shows her his royal ring. He pulls his royal ring like off of his finger and he shows it to her. And she like comes over and he drops the ring into her bucket of milk. And he says, take this only to my wife and show this to her. And so this woman goes back with this pail of milk and she gets to this woman and she is like, can you help me with this milk? And at first the lady's like, why would I help you? Why would I help you with this milk? And the the servant woman convinces her like to help her. So she's helping her move it into the kitchen. And then the woman tells her to stick her hand into this bucket of milk. So the lady's like, okay. And she sticks her hand into the bucket of milk and she finds her husband's ring. And she was like, where did you get this ring? And the servant woman was like, oh, you know this ring? And she's like, yes, it was on my husband when he left. And the woman was like, I know where your husband is. He's alive. So she goes out to the tree and finds him. They take him down. They wash him off. It says they, they shave and cut his hair because like I said, he was like covered in hair and like mud. And he comes home and everybody, when he like walks into like uh, where his father, the King is with all of his people, he like shouts to him like, what do we do to enemies? And everybody is silent. And he shouts again, like what do we do? two enemies and he pulls out his sword and he kills the king. Nice. And then the story ends with this line that I'm probably going to butcher because it's in the like Hasa language, but it's mm-hmm. kungurus khan kusu, which means I ate the rat. He didn't eat me, which is a really interesting thing because I discovered doing my research in this book that... I mean, that sounds funny when you just read that translation, but it's part of a, it's the first line of a much longer poem that basically is about a Nancy the spider that brought back stories for people. And so it's like a reference uh-huh. back to like a Nancy, which is like really interesting.
1: Sounds like a really cool quote that would be from like a, you know, a mobster movie. Like there's a rat in our organization.
0: I ate the so rat. I ate
1: the rat. He didn't eat me.
0: It does sound like that. So that's the story of the king who coveted his son's wife, which again, it's like we could talk longer about, you know, the the motif of the swallowing the person, spitting them out, how it sounds like a story from the Bible, which also sounds like stories from the Thousand and One Nights. But the thing that was interesting to me was when I read that story, again, because I wanted to look at the example of the motif of the creatures putting somebody in their mouth and transforming. Yeah. When I read that line, that he looked like a dodo, I was like, oh my gosh. Because (laughs) I have seen this referenced, at the time I had only seen it referenced like once before in a story. And it's been really difficult to find more information on it because it's spelled D-O-D-O, dodo, like Mm -hmm. the bird. And if you Google dodo, like dodo Africa, dodo African creature, dodo Nigeria, most of the stuff that I was finding on it At the time when I had first heard about it, it was just references to dodo birds. And so to like find this, in this story, I was like, wait, what? And as I was looking through this book, which again is called Hossa Superstitions and Customs. As I was looking through it, there were a lot of references to dodos, which was great because finally I was like, oh, a source for like this Creature. So I want to tell you more about this creature. Because like it obviously didn't feature in that story. It was just like that woman was afraid right. that it was a dodo.
1: Yeah. And it's like, uh, as we always talk about, we hear it's always like, this doesn't seem quite right. It's not the dodo that I'm thinking of. Can't be. Yeah. What is going on here? And it's like, let me find out more.
0: Like most creatures that are described in like folklore, there's a very wide range of like characteristics that are listed everybody has like a slightly different version and so a dodo stories can basically be found throughout sub-saharan west africa and so because this creature has like a wide range different areas kind of have different descriptions of what it is or it features differently in different stories. We've seen this when we've talked about like vampires that like vampires in different areas are like slightly different. I mean, even way back when we talked about like Krampus and how like Mm -hmm. Krampus is featured in different groups, it's slightly different even within like different pockets of Germany. And so this creature has like some different descriptions. And so I wanted to talk about them. So this is where it gets a little bit like, cryptid, like where it's like, Oh, this is like a cryptid. So a dodo is also called a swallower of men. It is this giant kind of humanoid creature. In the stories, it ranges of like how humanoid and like how like not humanoid it is. But it's this like giant creature that has the ability to basically can swallow like a whole village worth of people.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That would have to be huge.
0: Yeah. So it has like long shaggy black hair. In some stories, it's like just long shaggy hair like coming from like its head and its face and others. It's like kind of like full body, long shaggy hair. Mm-hmm. But basically, yeah, it's its mouth has the capability to open super wide and like its chest can bloat super big. But it has legs, but like its legs are... It's, it's an oddly proportioned creature is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, almost like a frog where it's like the bulk of it is... The, the body and the mouth, like right. the head. And then the, the legs are like mm, secondary. <laughs> but in some stories, the inside of the dodo's mouth, if it opens up its mouth, it glows red. Mm. And so in some stories, a dodo will be like laying down in the forest or like a swampy area with its mouth full open and so like it's dark it's dark all around it's the middle of the night people are lost they can't you know they're like oh no i'm lost like what will i do for the night oh maybe i need to like hunker down find shelter And they'll see off in the distance this, like, glowing red light. And they'll be like, oh, is that somebody with a campfire over there? Maybe I need to go over there and investigate. So they'll go over to, like, investigate thinking that, like, oh, I've found somebody who can watch me. Like, or help me out for the night. I have a safe place to be. They get over and it looks like this cave With, like, a glowing red light in the back of it that maybe they should walk into (laughs) to find, you know, the person who must have a fire
1: in there. Oh, yeah. If there's a fire in there, it means a person's in there. It means it's going to be safe. There's not dangerous animals. This is a wise plan on the part of this dodo to attract people into its gaping maw. Yeah, I
0: mean, what's crazy, it reminds me of, like, an (laughs) anglerfish where it's like, oh, come toward the light. The light is right next to where my mouth is. (laughs) Except that in this case, the light is 100% where the mouth is. And so it's like people will like wander into the mouth and then it'll close up and it like swallows them completely. And then in other stories, there is a little bit more of the like monster bridegroom type stories where the monster, the dodo for whatever reason, wants to marry a human woman mm-hmm. for reasons of like being able to, I guess like be close to where humans are, which it's like its main food source. <laughs> so all <right. laughs> you're like a solid plan.
1: I mean, I too like to be close to where my main food source is. Taco Bell. Why do you think I live where I live? So close to Taco Bell.
0: And so it makes sense, th- like in the story, that we were just reading about the man who covets, you know, the wife that she saw, you know, this hairy creature that was like all dirty hiding up in this tree and immediately was like, that looks like a dodo. I'm scared. I want to get away from that. And I love it in stories when we find, you know, like a throwaway line where it's like the community at large would have known what that meant, but we don't know. It's like when we read mother, Holly or mother like Frau Holda and mm-hmm. when when the lady was like, oh, I'm Mother Holly, the girls were like, oh okay and we were like, wait what do you what do you mean? oh okay
1: <laughs> no, no, that's not okay for me. explain, please <laughs> explain
0: And so yeah, it was like when I read that I was like, oh my gosh and I was glad because the book had more information about these dodos for me to read about and look at. There are also stories that I think we'd find interesting that are like these like bargaining stories where like somebody will bargain for their life. They will say like, oh, don't eat me. I'll give you my firstborn child, which is like, you know, a motif that we've like seen before where it's like, oh, wait, if it's a son, you can eat it. If it's a girl, you can marry it. Kind of like a situation. no. There are some stories where, and we've talked about this before, where it's hard to tell where the the mixing of motifs and stories start happening, where it's like, it sounds similar to another story, or there's just parts of it that sound similar to a story that we've recognized more from European tales. And it's hard to tell whether the story came to that area or whether it left the area. And so there was a story that I thought was really, really interesting because it reminded me a lot of Jack the Giant Killer and Molly Whoopi, which are two stories that we have not covered yet. And so I kind of am like, oh, that's a good episode for coming up. Molly Whoopi and this story that features a dodo in it and how this character Is able to like outwit the dodo. So there are a lot of stories that have been recorded that have similar motifs. And, you know, there's arguments about like, oh, but. You know, did they all come from one original source or were like they disseminated and passed around due to trade routes, which is like very common. And also we've talked about this before, a totally valid way for a country and place to, you know, start creating variations. What's interesting is looking at the variations and how they change. So there's a story that I had read a while ago in Fearless Girls, Wise Women, and Beloved Sisters, Heroines and Folk Tales from Around the World. And this is a really great collection by Kathleen Reagan that was published in 1998. And it's still like a really, really good collection. And of course it has a great reference section in the back, <laughs> which I like. And it's separated into sections based on like regions of the world, which I really appreciate when I want to find more stories from a particular region. And so a while ago, I had read this story called The Woman, Her Husband, Their Children, and the Dodo. The only note in this book on what a dodo is, is like there's like a little asterisk, and then you go down into like the footnotes, and it just says, (laughs) ghoul, And I've said this before, it just, it bugs me when, when a culture doesn't have like an equivalent to a creature, Mm -hmm. we try to translate the word or explain it by using basically like the closest equivalent that we think an English speaking audience will know. And I, I just like more and more am like, please just don't just because it's, it's not a ghoul. It's. It's own thing. Well, especially when we've talked about in the Thousand and One Nights, how like ghoul, people are like, oh yeah, a ghoul is like a zombie. And I'm like, it's not. (laughs) It's not.
1: It's a really tough thing because it's like, if you, like in the the ghoul zombie situation, it's like, okay, there are individual words for ghoul and zombie, but then you still, when when you don't know what something is, you're like, you're trying to latch it onto something that you already know to kind of like, help it to stick in your brain and help you to understand these things by like categorizing because things are you know categorized by how similar and how different they are to other things so to think like it's like a zombie but this or you know so it's like either you make it really confusing because you just say like oh this word means ghoul like dodo means ghoul that is like the most confusing because it's like saying that they're the same thing when it's like they're obviously not when you actually look into (laughs) what these things are as we are learning in this episode but even if you try your best to just be like, okay, I'll just use the word and then we'll define it and tell it what it is, lots of times, unless it becomes something very well ingrained in your brain, very popular, people will still just be like, oh, I need something to latch this onto, so let me pick the closest thing that I can find, which can be helpful but also lead to problems.
0: Yeah, because you can't like fully understand it if in your mind you're like, oh, no, no, it has to follow these same rules of what like I think that it is Yeah. because even in like all the descriptions that I just gave about like, Oh, it's this creature this like giant mouth and like it has this like cavern mouth that it tricks people into going to and like it's giant In the story I'm about to read, it doesn't necessarily have like all those qualities it's undetermined. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody was just reading this story, they wouldn't, you know, know all that information about what it's like in other stories or like what it does and and so just saying like, oh, well, it's like a ghoul. It it just, it makes it so that then when you're reading it, you're like, oh, okay, it's it's a ghoul and and you're not, you're lacking kind of the ability to visualize it in your mind. Right. But for like simplification to just make it as easy and accessible for the audience, it's like, oh, I understand. It's just, yeah, I just, I I wish instead of it just being like, oh, little footnote ghoul, I wish there was like, The larger description of what it was.
1: Oh, absolutely. Especially because we're trying to figure out exactly what it (laughs) is. Yeah, Ghoul is not good enough for us. Or like a ghoul or similar to a ghoul. No, we want to know more about it. What it is, not what it's like.
0: But I guess for the scope of the book that they were doing, they were like, well, that's unnecessary. (laughs) And which is probably true. I just want all knowledge all the time given to me in the way that I wish to receive it.
1: Is that too much to ask?
0: Come on, world so now, with some added context, and now that I was able to like find out more information on this creature, I'm like, now it'd be a really good time to reread this story. One thing that's really fun about fearless girls, wise women, and beloved sisters, heroines, and folk tales from around the world is that in the stories obviously the women usually feature uh, better than the men <laughs> and so in this story you will it's very very obvious and i kind of love this story for what it's trying to say about like men <laughs> <laughs> and i'll just preface that by also saying there are so many stories and examples where women are featured as like airheads or People who are bringing darkness into the world, like being blamed for like original sin or like Pandora's Uh, box, you know, like women that get blamed for basically all the evils of the world. And so it is nice sometimes to read a story where a woman is not featured in that way.
2: Absolutely.
0: But please enjoy the story of the woman, her husband, their children and the dodo. So there was once a man and his wife, and they had six children, which is a lot.
1: Quite a few. Quite a few.
0: And that's quite a few mouths to feed, which is unfortunate because there was a famine. Mm. So the woman said to her husband, let us go into the bush somewhere where we can find some leaves to eat. They walked into the bush so that they could find some good vegetation. And as they were walking through looking for vegetation, this woman took a basket and inside the basket she made a paste with some indigo and water so you know like bright yeah blue blue. and she went off into the bush and when she found a guinea fowl she said come and let me do your hair for you and dress it with indigo so guinea fowl they have blue faces They're 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 a beautiful bird and they are very large bodied and so they're good to eat Uh, and they're they're like a a bird that's really good to like domesticate and eat
1: what more what more needs to be said.
0: Um, so she called one over and said, come and let me do your hair for you and dress with indigo. So all the guinea fowl came over to her and clustered around her and she would take hold of the head of one and get some of the indigo paste and put it like on its face, which they have, uh, like they have like blue faces. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like imagining, you know, her being like the one that is putting this like face paint on them to make them beautiful. So she would take one and she would wipe the indigo on them and then she would let it go. And then she would take the next one and wring its neck and put it aside next to the basket. Another one would come forward and she would paint its face with the indigo and it would leave and the next one would come and she'd wring its neck and put it in her basket. Oh my gosh. Until she had enough guinea fowl to feed her family and, you know, took care of like the rest of the birds. And then she met back up with her family she showed them all that they had. And the husband was like, Oh, my clever wife, like to bring home all of this. And her children were like, thank you, mother. And they helped her pluck the guinea fowl and cook them and eat them. And she did this for like several days where she would go out, you know, do this little trick to make sure to get a whole bunch of food to feed her whole family during this famine. So after about a week of this going on, her husband was like, thank you for all of this that you're doing. You're doing such a good job. How about you stay home and rest today and I'll take over your work? She says, that sounds wonderful. So he takes the indigo paste and goes out into the bush. And so he calls to the guinea fowl and says, come and let me do your hair for you and dress it with indigo. So the guinea fowl like run over to him and he grabs the first one and just like wrings its neck. Oh! And all of the other guinea fowl were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> scatter. And so they all just like ran away from him and he searched and searched through the bush trying to find other ones to like catch and get. But all of them were, you know, getting as far away from that psychopath as they could get. So he comes home with the basket and the children look inside of it and all they see is the one guinea fowl and the children go to take it and the father was like, hey, what are you doing? Stop doing that. Let go of that. That's not for you. And then he like turns to his wife and he's like, that's children for you. I'm away in the bush ever since morning while they're all sitting at home. I'm going to keep this guinea fowl for myself. And the wife listens to like what happened like during the day, and she's like, "Well, you've spoiled that market for me because now it's like all the guinea fowl know like you know what's up," mm-hmm. which I don't understand why they didn't you know because obviously they watched her like put the paint on one of them and then ring one's neck and then face. And I'm like, "It's okay, guinea fowl aren't smart."
1: Apparently, <laughs> that is pretty funny. I guess like did they just think that like oh you know as their kid, they couldn't tell the difference between the putting on the face paint. And, like, pushing it aside and, like, doing something and putting it aside or, like, they couldn't see. Like, how is she tricking them so well? But, like, we just established. Kenny Fowler, not. Yeah. <laughs> Smart enough to see you murdering someone straight up and be like, whoa, what? That's not good.
0: Yeah. They're, like, run over to you and you immediately grab one and, like, yoink its head. They're like, oh, my gosh. That person's crazy. So... The next day, when it gets light enough outside, she takes her basket and goes out to the bush and she comes to a river. So she was looking around for some vegetation and stuff. And then out came all of, it says, the beasts of the bush. Elephants, bush cows, roan antelope, lion, hyena, leopards, gazelles, all came over to, like, drink out of this river. And so when they all started to come, she hid herself inside of a bush so that they couldn't see her. And then all the animals started to leave and the last of them was the herd of elephants. And as the elephants started leaving, she yells out from her hiding spot in the bush, hey, elephant, you one-eyed, one-legged, one-eared rascal. (laughs) (laughs) And the first leader of the elephants like turns around And looks back towards the river and was like, are you talking to me? And the voice answers back, no. And then the next elephant was like, were you talking to me? And her voice from the bush, no. And it went on like that until the last one was like, were you talking to me? And she's like, yes. And that elephant was like, oh, I'll show you. And comes back into the water. And he thought that it was a fish that had spoken to him so rudely. Mm. And so it starts grabbing fish and throwing them onto the bank. And it's like, if you're going to be rude, (laughs) here. And so he's just like picking up. It was probably a woman because usually it's just, it's uh, female elephants hang out together. I don't know if people know this. But anyway... So the elephant is just picking up fish and chucking them, being like, I'll show you one in there. So throwing all these fish. And once the elephant got exhausted from what it was doing, it wandered off. And the woman went and picked up all the fish from the bank and brought them back to her house, basket full of fish. So she was able to collect these fish for about a week, doing the same trick. And after a week of her kids getting to eat this fish, her husband. Course, was like oh honey you've been working so hard going out and getting this fish for us every day here let me go and do this and she was like okay honey so he took the basket the next day and went out to the bank and he sat himself by the bank and watched as all these like animals left and when it was just the elephants that were leaving he yelled out hey elephant you good for nothing rascal you one-eyed one-legged one-eared thing with a gap in your teeth
1: <laughs> got some great insults
0: yeah it's like it's one of those things where like we don't have to take insults upon us like especially if we're like you know what that's not true of me i'm not a one-eared one-legged rascal with a gap in my teeth and then you can just carry on with your day you you don't have to take that on you yeah but the leader of the elephant turned around and said do you mean me and the man shouted about back yes yes <laughs> And that elephant, I'm not clear on why, but that elephant was like, that's not a fish. That's a man. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm being insulted like that other elephant was. So that elephant, it says, grabbed hold of some fire... I don't know where she got the fire from, Yeah, but she lit some bush on fire and then chased the man with like a (laughs) trunk full of like on fire branches.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Visually stunning.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Love the mental picture that is painting in my mind.
0: So he just barely made it away from that elephant and was able to make it home, which I don't know if people have been around elephants I never want to be around an angry elephant.
1: Oh, absolutely not. I don't think you need to have been around elephants to know that. I think <laughs> you just need to know that an elephant is a large creature and then be like, you know what? Probably not best to be around that thing when it's mad and out of control.
0: So he just made it home. It says in here by the skin of his teeth, which I thought was an English euphemism, and it probably is an English euphemism. But he barely got away from this. Angry elephant that had fire. <laughs> Elephants don't need fire to attack you.
2: No.
1: They
0: just need elephant.
1: They just use it for the extra psychological damage <laughs> that they will inflict <laughs> upon you.
0: Ah. They're like, I'm going to raise your whole village. <laughs> and they will. So the woman when he told her like all of what happened she was just so frustrated and she was like well now you've spoiled that market for me and again that's in the middle they're in the (laughs) middle of like a famine and he's just making everyone's life harder by i mean i will give him the this credit he was trying to help yeah that's true he was technically trying to help but sometimes oh i feel like this is like an aesop fable where they're like Oh, yeah, it's the bear that smashed that guy's face with a rock where it was like, it's better to be alone than be friends with an idiot.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I can't remember if that's what, what the moral of the story is, but it's what right. what I, it's better to be alone than friends with an idiot. That's what I got out of the story.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I was trying to get across, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's how I feel for this woman. It is better for you to raise these six kids alone than to be married to an idiot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's what, I, that, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there. <laughs> so, the next day, this woman, she's now trying to find more food that she's gonna feed her six kids. And so she, again, sets out into the bush with her basket. And as she's walking along, she sees a dodo. And the dodo is walking through the forest with a, dead man on its back that it's just, you know, carting back home. It hadn't swallowed that guy whole. It was, had it, you know, slung over his back and it was like making its way back to its home. And so she hid herself and watched it as it went past and it didn't go very far before it reached the door of its home and it shouted out, bah And the door opened and he took the body in and left it there. And then when he was coming out again, he said to the door... Zarga gun gun and it shut and then the dodo went off to go i'm assuming kill more men (laughs) so the woman once the dodo was gone went over to the door of the house and said Ram." and the door opened and she went in and she saw that he had big stores of rice guinea corn bulrush millet cassava flour and oil so she went over and she filled her basket up with the millet. Then she spread the cloth that she had on the ground and she filled it up with rice and tied it. And it said she coiled up a head pad, which like she's going to be carrying that basket on mm-hmm. her head is is what it's talking yeah. about. And the the head pad... It's kind of like a, it's like a scarf on her head, but she's making it in a way that it's going to help to stabilize the basket on her head. I Mm. hope I'm describing that well enough because I know people can't see what I'm doing with with my hand right now.
1: (laughs) But let me verify to you that she's doing a very good job of visually explaining it with her hand as well. So I don't know (laughs) if I'm just getting a really good picture of it because I have the aid of this visual or she really did describe it that well. With her words.
0: So, lifting up the, the basket filled with the millet, she put that on her head and she tied the bag of rice to her back and then she went through the door. And when she got outside, she said, Zarga gun gun. The door closed and the woman went off home. So, every day, this woman hides, watches the dodo come to drop off another dead body. I'm just like imagining like her like going into this hut to like grab all of that like the the grains and the corn and like flour, all this stuff, and there's just like a growing stack of like dead bodies like in the corner, and she's just like, do do listen, if they're already dead, there's nothing she can do about that. true. It's harsh, but it is true so. After a week of her doing this, bringing back this food for her family, her husband, of course, is like, honey, you've been working so hard. How about tomorrow you let me do it? And listen, I just, I understand in giving people chances, but like the chances of this going wrong just feel so high to me that it's like, sir, I see you mean well, but no. But that is not where the story goes. The woman is like, okay, honey, yes, like, if you want to go do this, absolutely fine. I will rest here very well. So he went and hid in the same bushes, watched the dodo bring another man that he had killed to the house. He watches the dodo say that the door, ba ram, and the door opened. Obviously, like, the dodo put down the dead person, came back out, said to the doors, Zarga gun-gun, the doors closed. And then the dodo left. So the man went over to the doors, said ram, and the do- doors opened. When he went inside, he said, Zarga gun-gun, and the doors closed. So as he was looking around inside at like all of the food, he was like, you know what? While I'm here, I think I will stay and cook myself some rice, maybe add some oil to it. And then after I've had like a good meal, I'll pack up this stuff and head home. I don't want to head home feeling hungry. And so he like pulled out a pot for the fire, you know, got some rice to like put in it and some water, like got, you know, everything going. And the rice was almost done cooking when suddenly he turns around and there's the dodo behind him. He's like shocked. And the dodo was like, oh, now I know who's been stealing from me for the last week. And the man like immediately answered, like it wasn't me. I I only started coming today. <laughs> and the dodo is like, that is a lie. Somebody has been taking my corn. I think I thought it was funny. He only mentions like the corn, and it's guinea corn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, obviously he's taking his corn. His corn. It's it has the, the juice. The juice.
0: <laughs> It's a different corn. I meant to look this up the last episode uh, because I talked about how um, I can't remember if it was, I think it's the two One of the foods that she was making was made with like corn. That's what it said was um, that it was made with corn. And I don't know if people know this, but like corn is from the Americas and it was brought over like much later in human history To other parts of like the world. And so it's guinea corn that they're talking about. And it's just, it's a cereal grain, nutrient rich. You can grind it into like a flour. You can mix it with milk or water to make like a nice, like nutrient dense, like paste. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just in case people, like if people were wondering in the last episode when I was like, oh, yeah, it was like a corn. It's guinea corn. And apparently it's especially valuable in arid terrains because of its resistance to drought. Nice. That was that was something from a little quick Googling. So, yeah, just in case people were wondering. So he's like, you've been stealing my corn. And the man was like, it wasn't me. It was the mother of my children.
1: Way to throw her under the bus,
0: dude. 100%. He's like, she's been coming and taking your corn. And the dodo's like, okay, okay, I see. Well, how about you go ahead and eat that rice that you've just cooked. And then I'm gonna ride you back to the mother of your children's house. And I'm gonna take her. And the guy was like, sure thing. So he sat down. What? Come on. Oh, I know.
1: <laughs> to a nice bowl of rice. Yeah,
0: he sat down to eat that rice that he had made. Um, When he finished... <laughs> When he finished eating it, the dodo made him go and put a saddle on. <laughs> <laughs> so, he could, <laughs> so he could, like, literally ride him back to uh, his house. Which I'm like, that's one way that's of... That's hilarious. Both punishing that man and keeping track of him. And, I mean getting him as quickly there as possible because you didn't want to be riding that all day. Or you didn't want to be carrying that all day. So I don't... In What an ingenious way to punish, humiliate, and also get you to where you're going. (laughs) No. Inappropriate. How dare you. So when they get to the house, the like man yells out, mother of my children, come out to meet me. And what I love is it says that she like, turns around inside of like their house to her children. And she says, my children today, your father has done a bad thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. Which
0: I'm like, yeah, 100% he has. So she says, look, he has brought a dodo to us and the children, you know, rush to their mother and they're like,
2: (laughs) (laughs) your father has brought a dodo to us. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny But that's just hilarious <laughs> Today your father has done a bad thing Your father has brought a dodo to us
2: And the children are <laughs>
0: like <laughs> like Running to their mom like oh, And she's like I know He's an
2: idiot
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's especially funny because I think you know Still deep down Even though I've been hearing about what a dodo actually is Throughout this whole thing like I can't help but picture that stupid Stupid bird <laughs> Which would also be a stupid thing for a father to bring home to his
0: family. Yeah. So the children rushed over to their mother and they were clinging to her. And the dodo <laughs> said, out you come. You've eaten all my corn. And so I am going to eat you. So they came out and, you know, set off towards the dodo's house. And he how cave place where he like was. And he scooted them like inside of this like enclosure it never says cave but like the the things that are like about to happen make me think that it is inside of like some kind of like cave because there's not like Mm -hmm. there's not like a way to escape once they're like in so he pulls the dodo pulls like everybody like inside and he says before i get back he says this to the mother before i get back you need to cook me one of your children. Dang. And so the mother verbally, you know, agreed to what the dodo had said. And then the dodo left and, you know, the mother starts crying because she's like, Mm -hmm. in no way do I want to cook one of my children. Like this is an absolute nightmare. And out from a crack in the wall comes a little mouse. And the little mouse was like, oh no, why are you crying? And she says, the dodo told me that I have to cook one of my kids and I can't. And it's horrible, but I don't know what to do. And the mouse was like, here's a hole in the wall. You can fit one of your kids in here. And she was like, thank you so much. So she puts like one of her kids like inside this little hole with this mouse to like the mouse to take her kid. Mm -hmm. And she goes over to the pile of dead people. That were already in the house, which I'm like, why didn't this guy eat those? He's complaining about people taking his corn, and now he's just got like a pile of corpses in the corn. Like, eat your food. So wasteful. (laughs) So the woman went over to the pile of bodies that the dodo had already brought in, and she cut up some of the human flesh and threw it into a pot, cooked that up, for the dodo when it got back. And she continued doing this for, like, every one of her kids. Like, every time he went to leave, and he was like, cook me one of your kids. And she's like, okay. And the mouse would help her, like, hide away her kids in these, like, cracks in the wall. And Mm -hmm. finally, you know, she was out of children. And the dodo was like, okay, before I get back, you need to cook yourself. And the woman was like, okay, I will do that. So... When he left, she, you know, grabbed some more of that human pile (laughs) of meat and cooked it up. And she then took some rice, some of the cassava flour, and some oil. And she also went into the mouse's hole now with like food and provisions for them to like stay in there for a while. So when the dodo returned, he came back and he like looked around and he was like, delicious. I can eat, you know, this lady soup. But then he realized, oh, you know, I'm kind of out of you know, somebody cooking for me. This isn't great. So he went and he grabbed the man and brought him back. And he was like, I need you to cook yourself. And then he left. And the man was like, oh, no, I don't know. Well, at first, what was funny was he was like, well, I don't want to cook myself on an empty stomach. So he made himself like (laughs) he made himself like another like bowl of rice and stuff to eat. So he did that first. And then, you know, after he ate, As he was, like, eating the rice, he was, like, boiling more water for him to jump into. And he, like, went to get into the boiling water, and he was like, oh, it's so hot. Oh, I don't want to get in. Oh. (laughs) And he was like, how did my wife do this? He's like, oh, man, what am I going to do? So he, like, uh, or no, he was like, I'm going to take a running leap at this. So he, like, backed up, and then he, like, went to run at, like, the pot. But then, like, at the last minute, he kind of like flinched and was like, no, not dumped into water. So he hit the side of the pot and it fell over and it cracked and the water (laughs) went everywhere. And he was like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So he gets another pot and he puts more water in it. And he decides, okay, I need to get into the pot now before the water heats up. That way I'm in the water as it's heating up. And so he's about to climb into that water when his wife felt sorry for him, which I'm like, Ma'am, don't. It's fine. Anyway, so she was like, she's like, oh, I feel sorry for him. So she's, she like called to him like, hey, you quit it. <laughs> and she's like, come in here, come into this hole with us. And so he goes in and she went out and she, you know, again, cut up some of the human flesh, added it to the pot, finished cooking what it was, grabbed some more rice, cassava flour and oil to go back like into the hole. So back came the dodo. And he was like, you know, ate the soup. And he was like, good, I'm rid of those rascals. Now I've eaten them in return for eating all of my flour. And so a little while later, the dodo was like, you know what, I'm actually I'm getting hungry. I think I'll make myself some tuwu." So he took the guinea corn. And he started to like, you know, pound it out, get it ready, start turning it into like the the to woo is the like guinea flour that's like after it's been like pounded down into like a flower, add water to it. And it like turns into like a Mm. ball of food. And the man who was hiding in the wall was like, "Hmm, that looks pretty good. I also want to eat some of that. So the man from the (laughs) wall yells out, Hey, when you're done stirring that Tuwu, when you're finished, give me a lick. Mm. And the dodo was like, who's in here? Who's that talking?
1: It sounds just like a fish. (laughs) kidding that's no fish
0: and uh, the man like calls out again like hey i said when you're finished give me a little of that and the woman hearing him shouting out to the dodo is like this absolute moron so she takes a stirring stick and she whacks him hard in the butt Oof. and he like shouts out and he was like hey hold on mother of my children i just was asking him to give me a little too woo and it's like, don't tell people that there's someone else back here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this
2: this, guy, really this
0: guy, off went the dodo to call some of the beasts of the bush to come and help him. That he's like, oh, I need I need your help, guys. Come over here and, like, help me. So all these, like, animals come in, and he was like, I'm hearing, I'm hearing some sound coming from this, like, crack in the cave. I need one of you to stick your head in. And, like... See what it is and pull whoever is in there out. So several of the animals tried to like get their heads in there, but their heads were like too thick. Finally, the ostrich was like, oh, I can get my head in there. (laughs) So the ostrich sticks her head in there. And the woman is like standing to the side of like the crack in the wall. So when the ostrich sticks its head in, she grabs it by the neck and then takes a knife and slices its head. So from outside of the cave, what the other animals were seeing was like suddenly the ostrich struggling and they were like, oh no, he can't get his head out. And so they all grab onto the ostrich to like pull on him, to like pull him out. So when she chops off his head, they pull him back and they think that they'd ripped his head off. (laughs) And they were like, oh, no, the Dodos tricked us into his house so that he can, like, kill us and eat us. So they all, like, ran off. But the dodo, knowing that, like, that wasn't what happened, was like, oh, no, something is inside that crack that's, like, chopping things heads off. So he's like, I am leaving this place. There's like an evil spirit inside this house that's like attacking. And so the dodo ran off, never to return. And it said, Then out came the woman, her husband, and her six children. They all helped themselves to corn and rice, and then they went home. And then the famine came to an end. Kanjuru's kan kusu. I ate the rat. He didn't eat me. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, when I read this story like there for the first time it's like there was like so much about it that I was like I don't understand cuz I mean in the story when you read it the character almost just sounds like an evil person mm-hmm. and even when it says like ghoul well okay that's not that's not as descriptive as I want it to be cuz it's still it just sounds like a guy in the woods that's like yeah. a cannibal that's like killing people but it's this like creature this like man eating creature that is out there and again it was really hard to like do any research to find out like what this was because the name was one folklore information and from like african sources is really hard to find just because there has to be enough interest in something for it to be translated into another language yeah so you know it's kind of hard to like find resources and I was so delighted to discover more information about this when I wasn't even like looking for it. (laughs) It was super amazing that, you know, as I'm chasing another lead that as I'm trying to figure out this, like, oh, I wanna see if there's like more interesting stories about people getting put into creatures' mouths and being transformed. I wanna look at these other sources. It was just amazing that, you know, as I'm on that hunt, what did we call it? Like when I'm just like hopping down a rabbit hole of resources and cited sources, as I'm like hopping deeper, you know, it's like me being like, oh, Folklore 101 by Dr. Jenna Jorgensen recommended Cinderella, a case book. And I'm like, oh, perfect. Because I was going to do another episode on African Cinderella tales. This might be a good resource. Oh, yeah. In fact, this book has an essay called African Cinderella, or Cinderella in Africa. I'll read that. Oh, what's the resource for some of the stuff that they're citing? Hassa, Superstitions and Customs? Let me look up this book. And then as I'm reading that story, it's like, oh, let's just throw in a little bit of information about the dodo. And then I'm like, wait, 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 what else does this book have about dodos? Because I haven't been able to find anything about them let me read all of the stuff that there is to find. And then I can finally go back to this story that I'd read years ago with this creature that I didn't know anything about It seems so foreign to me and be like, Oh, now I know the information that I need to know to have a better understanding and a better appreciation for this story. And also, as I'm looking at it being like, okay, this has some echoes of like, Alibaba and like the 40 thieves, but from which direction did it come? Did it come from like Persia Mm -hmm. where that, where that particular story is probably from, or did it, did that go into Europe and then somehow like that European tale? Cause you know, we've talked about how Alibaba, it was a story written down by Antoine Galland from a Persian storyteller into French. So it's like, did that, did that seep into it to affect like the ending of the story? I have no idea, but it's just, like, fascinating to, you know, kind of, like, see these pieces, like, work together and turn into a story particular to that area because instead of there being 40 thieves or one particular bad guy that's going to trap him or, you know, whatever, instead of that, it's a dodo. It's this creature that's very specific to the area, and that's what I love to see. It's just so cool to look at the variation. And we wouldn't have got here today if it wasn't for my weird resource rabbit hole hopping. <laughs> so, hopefully, everybody enjoyed going on this delightful cannibalistic journey.
1: And if not, at least Katrina's one book closer to finding that original book, Source of All Knowledge. Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. Also consider supporting us on Patreon for access to exclusive bonus content, including outtakes and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash the Special thanks to Andrew Forey for our music and to Clarice Inch for our artwork. And of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible.
0: Fairy tales are always more interesting when something is added to them. Each new telling recharges the narrative, making it crackle and hiss with cultural energy. Maria Tatar
1: Oh yes, you just need to develop the refined taste in order to enjoy the dodo.
0: I thought people ate the crap out of them. Not literally, everybody settled down.